we must be about souls. Amen. So I want to preach to you today about the weight of a soul. The weight of a soul. In Luke 23, 32 and 43, there's a very interesting account. It says, and there were also two other male factors led with him, with Jesus, to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the male factors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Isn't that amazing? Jesus forgave them as they were driving the nails. Some of us don't have the ability to forgive somebody until months later after something happens. Jesus, with all the pain and suffering he had been through, said forgiveness, when, it, when you have a situation needing to be forgiven, you do it when it's happening. It's powerful. Go ahead and just walk with me here for a minute. And they parted his raiments and cast lots, and the people stood beholding. And the rulers also with him derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save also himself, if he be Christ chosen. And I want to just talk to you for a little while about the ones that were with him and the fact that they said, if Jesus can save, why doesn't he save himself? And I want to talk a little bit about soul salvation, the weight of the soul of your soul salvation, and the weight of the souls of mankind or those that are around us. And today I just want to preach to you a little bit that God is able to not only save himself, but he knew what he was doing. And, and today I preach to you today with a very heavy conviction in my heart that we need to get back to the weight of souls in our life. We need to get back to the understanding that we don't have time to waste anymore amen somebody we need to reach for our neighbors we need to reach for our friends we've got to reach souls jesus help us empower me today let my tongue be yours let me you be used of you jesus and i pray in the name of the lord that you help me in jesus name and everybody said amen, amen. you may be seated in the house of the lord scripture tells us that these one of these same male factors that was in the scripture turned to Jesus and asked him if he could be with him. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. I find it interesting that he was willing to, to reach out to somebody while he was in the middle of anguish, while he was in the middle of pain. And so I want to talk to you just for a minute about the weight of a soul. And there's several illustrations that I'm going to make today, and I hope some of them are enjoyable to you. But I hope most importantly that you walk away with a weight on your heart for souls. Man is made up of a tripart being. We know that, and I often start with that because I feel like that's a good baseline, a good place to start. But the soul of man represents the mind, the emotion, and the will of man. The spirit of man is the intuition, the, the conscience, or, or the communion place where God touches our heart. God doesn't speak to our bodies as much as he speaks to our spirit and then we often have that, that, that word that God speaks to our spirit then begins to work in the other areas of our being. It, it works on our minds. It works on our hearts. And we see God work on us completely and do a whole work. So our spirit is where God communicates. He relates 
to the Spirit because he is Spirit. Everyone say amen to that. John 4, 24, we understand that. So the, the soul is the psychology, psychological area of man. The spirit is the spiritual area of man. That makes sense. And the body is the physiological area of man. That's the area where you have sight, taste, touch, hear, feel. You have understanding of the world around you. When you walk into an environment that's warm, you know it's warm because you can feel it. Your body senses that it's warm outside. Or when you walk into an environment that's cold, your body senses it. So your body gives you world awareness. Your soul gives you ability to understand the word of God and to think about the things of God. And your spirit gives you spiritual awareness. Different planes all in the same body, amen? We're beautifully and wonderfully made, curious made in fact so I'm grateful that I can understand that sometimes my mind won't understand what the spirit is doing in my life sometimes my body will not want to go to prayer on Sunday night Oops, I got that one in there sometimes sometimes my soul will be confused and I'll have thoughts I don't quite understand but if I get in a place of prayer and God's spirit touches my spirit I can pull down strongholds in my mind and I can begin to walk in the power of the Spirit because I know that the flesh is weak, but the Spirit is willing, amen? And I know there's some people in this room who know how to walk in the Spirit. And I know those, there's people in this room that know how to talk in the Spirit, amen? That have a spiritual relationship with Almighty God. And whenever you don't know what to pray in your natural mind and in your language, because Jesus wasn't an American, brothers and sisters, and he did not speak English or Spanish or German or whatever whatever you know to speak but when you get to a place where you don't have words to describe what you're going through and you don't have words to take and, and, and give a, a sentence to the weight that's on your soul at this moment you can step over into a spiritual language that's given to you by the utterance of the Holy Ghost and you can begin to speak in another tongue as the Spirit gives utterance and you can pray with groanings that cannot be uttered by the human mind or body but God God speaks through us and we can begin to see God touch us and take the weights off our soul. It's a thing that God does in a very special way for our lives. It's interesting to note that the human tear is often filled with a drug called cortisone. It comes from the body. And when you find a place in prayer, it's, it's not easy for some people, but for me, it's easy to find tears when I'm praying it's easy to go to a place where I'm a little emotional. I, I find myself being more of a Jeremiah, and I ask the Lord, I said, Lord, what are you thinking? You're making me a church planner, and, I, and you've given me a restoration ministry my entire life. All I've known is restoration. I've never been a really great harvester, but I know how to pray with people that are hurting. And God said, what do you think the cross is? It is a restoration. It's bringing people back to their original place in God. It's bringing them from the fall back to restoration. And so his rest is where we find our best. Amen? 
And so I just want you to know today that as I'm preaching and as I'm praying that this is a hospital for the hurting. This is a place of restoration for when you make mistakes, you don't have to feel shame. You don't have to feel condemnation, but you feel the drawing of the Holy Ghost. And when your body can't line up to the word of God because you have lusts and other things, I want you to know, bring it to Jesus and he'll touch your spirit and your spirit will get your body under control. Amen, somebody. Amen, somebody. You've been there. It's all right to say, yes, preacher, I've been there. I know what it's like when you have a situation in your family and you just can't wrap your head around it and you've been praying for it for months, weeks, years, and maybe even a, a decade and you've been asking God to do something and the devil sneaks in with doubt and you find yourself seeing death to a situation because of doubt because doubt brings death. Somebody help me preach right there. But faith brings life, amen? And so you're like, this thing doesn't seem to be working. Nothing seems to be happening. And my soul feels the weight of something that doesn't seem to want to bow under the, the power and the anointing of the prayers I've already prayed. But I just get a hold of the cross and I just hang on his word. And I just say, God, I don't know why it's going this way. I don't know why I feel a weight on my soul today. I don't know why I got up today. And it can't be just roses and sunshine with you, Jesus. But I'm going to trust you you and all of a sudden a wind can sneak into your workplace and a wind can blow into your car and God can show up and I wish I had a church helping me preach a wind can show up right in the middle of your lunch hour and you can leave work one way and come back an hour later full of the Holy Ghost and faith to believe God can change a situation because we don't have to fight it when we have someone who's already won the victory amen brother Reese talking about that today it's a foreign concept to many the weight of a soul many people don't understand it pastors have to understand it because that is what it's all about I don't know if you've been to a hospital lately but there's something that happens at a hospital when they don't have people coming in that need to be healed they're doing something else all the time 24-7 do you know what they do when they're not healing people they're cleaning they're sanitizing they're mopping, they're sterilizing, they're putting instruments and machines specifically designed to kill all the bacteria so that there's no infection spread. They're cleaning all the time. They're making it spotless all the time because they know a clean place is a healing place. You can preach right there with me. And that's why the Bible's not a place where you can find this statement, but there's a statement that people think comes from the Bible, and that's cleanliness is next to godliness. That's not in your book. I'm just wanting you to know it's not in there. But it is true that spirits of evil and darkness, they love dirty places. And that's why if you look at the most sinful places in our world, they will be dirty places. But when you begin to clean something up in your life, you still have to feel better. How many just need a real fresh touch of God in your life right now? All right, all right, that sounds good. Go home and clean your house today. Go home and clean your car out. And then you'll find out that on Monday you'll feel better because you've cleaned your environment. Something about a clean environment is a draw and a lift up to the presence and power of a person. It just, it just makes you feel better. So as I was saying, they were cleaning the hospital. They're doing everything they can to make a place where healing can happen. Amen? 
instead of sickness being perpetrated, perpetual place where God can do, or in, in the, in the physicians can do a work, and God can heal, and the physicians can heal. And so what we find out is, when someone pulls up in an ambulance, maybe there's an accident out on I-94 right here with the entrance, and someone ends up going through a windshield, and they get cut all the pieces, and the ambulance gets called out, and medevac gets flown in, and the helicopter, the helicopter shows up on the roof, and they're taking them out, and they're saying, we've got a we've got a bleeder. That's what they call it. We've got someone coming in, and they've got a code, and this person's been bleeding everywhere. They don't worry about the person bleeding all over. They're a million-dollar helicopter, but they they bring him in. They bled all over the cot. They bled all over the floor. And they said, we've got this one that's a bleeder. We're bringing him in for surgery. The, they don't get met at the helicopter pad, at the helicopter, I used to call it when I was a kid, at the helicopter pad and say, no, I'm sorry. We've been cleaning this place all day. You're not welcome here. You're going to have to take him who's bleeding to someplace else where they're willing to take folks that are bleeding like that. We only want certain people that, so we can keep our environment clean that is not at all what happens when someone comes in and needs care and they're hurting and they're bruised and broken and they're they're on their last leg and maybe even dying they don't close the doors they don't lock them and say we're not letting you in they open the doors wide open they have people waiting so the doors are open when the chopper lands they are receptive they know that that person cannot save themselves or they would have but they know that they need care and medical assistance and so their assistance is we're going to get them to whatever surgery they need. We're going to get them into an environment where we can save their life. We don't care if they're bleeding all over our gurney. We don't care the mess they're making. We're just going to try to save their life. They take an oath to save lives. And when they save that person, what do they do? They go back to cleaning. And that's what the church is supposed to do. We're supposed to clean when there's not somebody bleeding. But when we find somebody coming in that's bleeding and hurting and has been overcome with sin and overcome with struggle and overcome with the pains of life and the consequences of decisions they didn't know would destroy them, we don't close the doors. We don't lock them up and say, we got a nice clean worship service today. You're, we're not interested in having you here. What we do is we have someone at the door greeting them, saying, welcome, come on in. I may not be the best person to give you what you need, but I know right in that room in there, there's going to be a word preached. There's going to be some worship go on and it's going to bind your wounds and it's going to help you come out of every struggle you've been in. The church is a hospital for the hurting and we need to reach them. We need to feel the weight of the broken all the time and I'm a preacher that likes to say well I love to have services where people leave on a high and they leave happy and they leave joyous and they leave feeling well and I like those kind of services but every once in a while we need to leave on a service where we go I need to get a Bible study I need to reach my neighbor I'm not doing enough I need to self introspect and realize that I'm being a little too selfish on my Sunday morning Sunday nights I'm being a little too selfish on my Monday evenings I need to be in the house of God I need to do something for God I need to reach somebody for God I need to feel the weight of a lost soul in my life did you know that astronauts often struggle with atrophy of muscle and struggle with bone structure issues when they're in space because there's no weight on their body we have roughly about 8 pounds in gravity I believe it's right around 8 pounds 
So when you get up in the morning, you wonder why you, it feels like there's a weight on your shoulders. <laughs> Jesus created that. <laughs> you know why Jesus created that? Because your body was meant to carry weight. And when you have no weight, you have no purpose. When your body was designed, it was designed to stand up and lift weight. Not only your body structure, but the forces that are keeping you on this planet. And so when we look at the physical body, God chose to put gravity here to keep us walking on the earth so we don't just like, woohoo, just take off. But also, your spirit man needs weight. You have to understand that when you don't have weight and you don't put any spiritual weight in your life, God will put it in your life for you. He will bring you in contact with somebody who is just broken and you don't know how to handle it and it requires you to start kickstarting a serious prayer life so that you can help them. God will put somebody in your life that will require you to self-inspect and go, what can I do to help them? Can I get uh, one of the boys? I, I, I'm always picking on you guys. I apologize. You want to call it out for me? I'm going to get this bag over there. Pick a Estevan. Sweet, 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 sweet. All right, give Estevan a hand. Can you put this weight on your back? Just go ahead, put it on. All right, this is our brother. He's never been here before. He's a first-time guest. Everybody welcome our first-time guest. Look, isn't he? He's excited to be here. He found us on the website. Um, brother Jens optimized the website, and so he found it. And Brother Nate put some great graphics on there, and he thought, man, that's a nice church. I think I'll go visit. He shows up, and he, you can't see what he's carrying. Amen? You can't see the weight. This is a heavy, heavy weight on his back that he's carrying. You know what the church has done for too long, and now we're not doing it as much. We were always accused of, well, you don't want to be too psychological. You want to be spiritual. And when you do spiritual things, it helps the psychology of man. That's true. But what we were doing for so long is we were, lift your hands, brother, and pray. We were praying for people, praying them through with the Holy Ghost, getting them filled with the Holy Ghost, which is a great thing. You need that. And they were baptizing them in Jesus' name, and they were leaving with the same weights they brought in. Because we weren't teaching them how to handle, come on back, brother. We weren't teaching them how to handle the broken things in their life, the heavy weights that are in their backpack, like the depression and the, the, the discouragement that's in their life. And so there's all kinds of weights in here that are holding him down. And what we do sometimes as a church is we say, God bless you, brother. Have a good week. We'll see you next Sunday. Hope you do good. And oh, wow. That's, woo, that's heavy. I don't want to talk about that. Um, pray about it. <laughs> when Jesus didn't ask us to do that as a church, he asked us to come over here and not inspect their stuff. Oh, man, that's bad. Wow. Well, that's broken. I can't believe you did that. Man, how many times are you going to make? You got like the same mistake in here 50 times, bro. How many times are you going to keep making the same mistake? That's not grace, brothers. That's not mercy. Grace and mercy is what Jesus did. He carried our cross for us. He took the weight that we were supposed to carry and he carried it for us. And when he couldn't carry it, it was still worthy of being carried by somebody else. 
The picture of Simon of Cyrene is the picture of us, the church. When we not only know how to take our cross and lay ourselves down and die and be resurrected in Christ Jesus, but then we go to other people and we take off their weights and say, brother, I know this is heavy. Let me help you. And we don't just take the backpack and walk away. We put their weights on our back. We don't inspect it. We don't say, you know how you could have done better? You know what you could have done to keep yourself from failing in that area? Excuse me while I make a mess of myself. You could have actually, you could have actually done better about that relationship. You could have done this. You could have done that. He doesn't need that. He needs us to do like Jesus and said, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm putting it on my back and I'm taking it up that hill. And then Jesus takes us by the hand and he puts the weight on us and takes us with him and says, you stand at the foot of the cross and I'll go up on the cross and I will die with this weight on my life so that you can have life. Thank you, brother. That's what he does. I want you to know that the heaviest thing in life is not something that weighs a lot, but it's something that you've held for too long. And unfortunately in the church, we keep praying for people and not helping them pick up the backpack full of the sins and the weights that does so easily beset them. Romans 12, 1, you can grab it for me, brother. I'm just preaching from my heart. Is this okay? I'm off my notes. I, this is where I was going in my notes, but I don't know where I'm at in my notes right now because probably three or four points down, but don't worry about that because I really feel the Holy Ghost. This is starting to get heavy. I'll let you know that. They there was a professor that said, what is the weight of a cup? What is the weight of a cup of water? And the, the students began to ask uh, questions back to the professor. Well, is it eight ounces? Because he noticed he was cover, holding an eight ounce glass. And the professor says, no. And they're like, okay, well, that looks like eight ounces. Maybe 12 ounces. Is it the weight of that glass of water? Is it 12 ounces? And he said, no, the weight of this glass depends on how long you hold it because I can hold this water and I can handle this backpack for a little bit of time. But the longer I hold it, the more wear and tear it makes on my body and the heavier it becomes. You can hold a small thing for too long and be stressed out. You can hold something you are not designed to hold. We were meant to lay down stresses, worry, concerns, sickness at the cross. So whenever I help somebody with their struggles, I don't pick it up and examine it and see, is it something that I should talk to them about? Is it something I should go on their Facebook and address? I'm just coming and I'm saying, let me help you get closer to the cross. Because when you get to the cross with everything that you're carrying, you become an example because you walk up and you say, look, let me show you where things were meant to be laid down. Let me show you where things were supposed to be placed. They're supposed to be placed at the foot of the cross and they say you know what maybe you didn't help me with this backpack because I didn't tell you the weights I was carrying because we're perfect at wearing masks and we're in a culture and even in a city where their money gives them all kinds of masks but if you can just get a relationship with them and sneak under that mask you'll find they're carrying a backpack of burdens where you, when you just come into the house of God and you join in and you lift your hands and you say this is where we leave our cares we cast all our cares on him for he cares for us then they see if that's where you go 
That's where I want to go. And they carry their burdens to the foot of the cross and they just hold on to the work of a savior and they release the weight of their soul. And we don't have to know all your background. We don't have to know what has to go under the blood. All we have to know is we got to baptize you and put it under the blood. We got to get you to a cross. We don't have time for stillbirths in the church of God. We need somebody baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Because the Spirit of God tells you what's too heavy for you. And I want you to know that I'm preaching to somebody today that needs to hear this word. I have no doubts. Somebody here needs to know that you're carrying too heavy of a weight and that you don't have enough weight from someone who's lost in your life. You need to pray for those that are your neighbors, amen? But if you don't master the own weights in your life, you don't know how to help anybody. You have to know how to go to the cross yourself. You have to know how to lay it down yourself because you don't have the space to take somebody else's backpack if you're carrying your own. You just don't have the space. And we in churches and pastors, forgive us, while we spend so much time talking about you need to win a soul, you need to win a soul, and we're not addressing the fact that you are carrying so many weights you can't even help somebody else. And we need a church that understands the times and understands the people that are here. So if you have a weight today that you're carrying, I want you to know that Jesus cares and he wants to help you. In verse 43 of the same chapter that I gave you, Luke is giving us the story of Jesus on the cross. I don't know if you want to just Google the Mayo Clinic report on the crucifixion of Jesus and just read what his body was going through as he was on the cross for us. Just go look it up and read it because you will see that he was dying of suffocation, that he was stretched and he was pierced and he was bruised and he was lashed and he, everything that was left in him except for he had no broken bones because of prophecy Everything that was left in him was draining out of him. His life was bleeding out of him. And while he was on the cross, suffering excruciating pain, you could only inhale. You could not exhale. Because of the way that they hung on the cross in the V-shape, he would have to pull himself up into a T-shape in order to exhale. So all he could do was go... <gasps> That's all he could do. And then he would have to pull. I hope you understand the weight of what I'm preaching for you. He did this for you. And then he would have to pull on those nails between the two bones in his wrists that actually closed his hand because it hit the nerve that's in his arm and forced his hand closed. That was the grip of grace, brothers and sisters. And he'd have to pull himself up into a T position to exhale. And then he would slump back down into the Y position and and taken breath. He was beaten, marred beyond recognition, Scripture tells us. And while he was in that position, while he was in that place of excruciating pain, scholars say it was the most wretched way to die. I read so much material on that before I got here to preach. I want you to know that I am overwhelmed again with the cross of Christ. 
We're coming into the Easter season, and Easter will be here before we know it, and we're going to celebrate the risen Lord. Amen? But we also have to know that his triumph was on the cross as well. And so when he began to give up his last breaths and his last moments, the thief that was on the cross said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me. Jesus could have said, do you understand what I'm in the middle of doing here? It's a little bit inconvenient for me to feel this much pain and talk to you about your situation. I'm sorry. I, I don't have time to deal with your situation and all I've got going on. Jesus didn't. He pulled himself up to breathe out enough so he could hold a conversation with a person on the cross next to him. His cross was lighter than the weight of a soul. I want that to grip you. Can I say it again? No matter how heavy his cross was, no matter how difficult it was to get him to the place of crucifixion and Simon had to carry it, that experience, the worst possible death of a human being for us, was still lighter than the weight of a lost soul on the cross next to him. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane with his, his prided few. I mean, the ones he really invested in, the ones he put his time into. And they all fell asleep on him while he was struggling in the anguish of knowing he was going to suffer a crucifixion. And he comes back to them and he's like, Simon Peter, hey guys, come on, we need to pray. Do you understand what's happening? I'm going to be given up. I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. Can't you pray with me? And they're like, yeah, 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 we're, we're good, Jesus. We got your back. We'll pray with you. And they go back to praying and Jesus goes back and he finds them again asleep. And he comes back and he says, can you not pray with, it, with me at least for one hour? That means the soul that you try to win is worth so much more than one hour of prayer for them. You have to know that it takes an understanding that if you're not offloading your pressures and your desires and all of these things that are constantly on your shoulders, if you're not going to the cross every day and, and just asking the Lord to give you strength and give you the ability to take off your own backpack and not carry baggage around, that if you're not asking God to do that for you, that you will not have the strength and the wherewithal to help anybody else and that whenever it gets to the point of you needing to save and reach to somebody, you will be so busy busy praying for your needs you'll never pray for a lost soul you will not understand the weight of a soul and your spirit man needs that we were designed for that if we're going to be like christ we're going to take on the weight of souls amen unfortunately there's way too many people that come to church every week and i'm not bashing anybody i'm not looking i'll preach this way there's way too many people that hear way too many sermons and just sit in the pew and take on spiritual weight amen and they never work out when they leave here somebody help me with that we need to be a church that's not overweight, but a church that's fit. Fit for the work of God. Fit for the power of God. Fit for the situation that's coming into our lives. Fit for the circumstances that we walk into. Able and ready to pray at the drop of a hat. And maybe not even dropping a hat. Maybe 
in any time. You don't have to go, well, I'm carrying a lot of weight today. I don't know if I, I can really pray for you effectively. But what if we give our lives to lay down the weights and sins in our life so that we can be available to others? Lay down discouragement. Lay down the weight of doubt. Lay down the self-inflicted weights. Hello, somebody. We need to preach that sometime. Jesus' affliction and the cross was so agonizing that I can't even hardly look at it without tearing up. I can't go to an Easter play without weeping. I don't know about you. But in the middle of his affliction, he reached for the criminal on the cross because his cross was lighter than a loss of, of a soul. I, I used to, I had a pastor that would teach Bible studies and back in the day, people smoked everywhere. Anybody remember that? Where they smoked inside buildings and they smoked wherever? We didn't actually know the effects of, of uh, smoke on lungs and all that stuff very well. And he had a Bible study. <clears throat> I believe it was my pastor. It might have been the one that he, he told me about that he had um, from a friend of his that was a pastor. I believe it was a friend of his, now that I think about it. But when he told me the story that his his pastor friend came home from a Bible study and they were they were drinking and they were smoking and he's doing his Bible study. He's like, I don't care about the baggage they're carrying. I need to teach them how to get to the cross at the moment and then I will help them with the baggage. He's like, he's like, let's you and me take the backpacks to the cross and then we will talk about washing everything away. Unfortunately, we try to clean people before we get them saved sometimes and that's not what we need to do but we also don't need to just get people saved and then send them out with their weights, amen? So it's important that we have a balance in the house of God, in the hospital for the hurting. It's important that we have good soul care in this place. We must be, they must be born again of water and of spirit, but then we must help them offload the weights that are so easily besetting them. And then when they come to a place where they begin to talk about their testimony and what God's done for them, you'll be surprised at all God changed them from, all God helped them with, all that God brought them out of. I'm telling you something. I've had people stand up and say, Pastor, I was struggling with smoking pot. And I'm like, what just happened there? I was struggling with this and I was struggling with that. And God set me free from it. When I went down to an altar and I gave it to God, there used to be a place where you had Bible studies and you left smelling like the world because they would do all the things they do in a Bible study. But when they came to the house of God and you got them washed in the blood and sanctified by his spirit, they began to toss cigarettes. They didn't know why they were doing it. They put their pack of cigarettes on the altar they said I don't really have a reason to stop smoking I actually like smoking but I'm going to give it up I feel like I need to lay these right here on the altar I remember when there was alcohol on the altar and there was little bags of drugs on the altar do anybody know what I'm talking about I remember when there's packs of Marlboro lights on the altar and God would deliver people at the house of God of the things they were carrying and the baggage that was in their life and they didn't need Bible for it because the Holy Spirit taught them where to lay it down. I'm hoping I'm helping somebody today. Are you keeping your testimony untarnished? Two ways. Are you making sure that you're living for God not to tarnish it with your own mistakes? And the other way is, are you polishing it so that you can share it, make sure that it's fresh? Can I ask you right now what your testimony is and how God saved you and you can tell me with passion 
how God brought you out. Well, I grew up in church. I really didn't have a strong conversion. You grew up in church so that you were specifically designed to not have any of the weights that this world is carrying so that you could have a stronger spiritual life and you could pray people out of the weight they're carrying. Your baggage that you did not have was a blessing. But sometimes we have to understand that there is a weight to the soul. And today I was, I was praying here and I was, I'm finishing, I promise you. And I was just blown away by the fact that Jesus only makes a few statements at the end of his life on the cross. And he, when he says, I thirst, that was one of them. In other words, he wasn't saying, I thirst for the vinegar that you have. He knew what was there. He was saying, I thirst for this to be done, for this to be over with. I thirst for souls. I thirst for the lost. I'm here and I've laid down my own will as a man and taken on the will of the spirit that is in me so that I can recover all that was lost. I thirst for this to be finished. So he said, I thirst. And he also said, Father, into, the, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He said, in other words, I'm doing this to give this glory to God. And then in the manner that he communicated these things, he also communicated that it is finished. But in all of those last few moments, seven different statements in his crucifixion, we realize that one of the beautiful statements he makes is he turns to a soul that's lost and says, today you'll be with me in paradise. While we struggle and while we desire God to do great things and while I have spent prayer time, believe me, as a pastor, like God, I want more people getting the Holy Ghost. I want to see more. I want to see more. I have a desire for more. All of those different things. I struggle with it as a pastor. I know that you probably feel the same way. You're like, Pastor, we need more of this. We need more of that. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. But I want you to know I've already been on my knees and wept to God for that. I've already been there. I probably was there before you got there because I've offered my sacrifice up with my license to the United Pentecostal Church several times as an offering unto the Lord. Take it, Lord, you can have it. I'll give it to you. I offer a burnt sacrifice of my ministry credentials unto the Lord. You can take this job. I don't want it anymore. I do that every Monday night, at least once a Monday night. Maybe sometimes on Sunday night if it's really bad. But I do it because I feel the weight of souls. I feel the weight of this city. I feel the weight of your lives. I feel the weight of your travels. I feel the weight of your workplace. I feel the weight of sickness. I feel the weight of struggle. I feel the weight of your children. I feel the weight of everything that's in your life. Because I'm not a good pastor if I don't care about you. I can't stand here as a hypocrite and say that I don't live it, but I preach it. I can't do that. I can't say that I don't that I care about my brother when I won't text him in the middle of the week and say, where are you working, brother? I'm praying for you. I'm sorry to make you put you on the spot. I can't, I can't be a good pastor if I'm not talking to these young ministers with a desire in their heart and these, these men of God and these, these men that desire to do things for God with their hands and work in the church and these folks that run businesses. If I don't care about your stuff, how can I preach? I do care but I don't care as much as I care about the souls in my own home. Please hear me. I love you so much. I care about you so much. 
But when it comes to your kids or the salvation of my son and daughter, I'm responsible to God for their soul over a soul of another. It's all important, don't get me wrong, but I gotta make sure she makes it to heaven. And I gotta make sure Seth makes it to heaven. And I gotta make sure this woman makes it and she's not overstressed and overburdened because I'm responsible for the weight of the souls in my own family. And I'm responsible for the weight on these souls. Is that all right today? Have I put you on blast? I'm sorry if I did. Look at your own house. Look at your own children. Look at your own home. Gather your grandbabies around you and say, this is my first mission. My first mission is to save my family. God had Noah build a boat for a hundred years to just save his family. How important is your family? Did you stand with me? I hope I've made an impact on your heart today. I hope you've heard what I've said and that you'll go home this week and you'll examine it. Would you lift your hands with me together? Would you worship him however you want to? And would you just say, God, give me a fresh desire. Some of you have been floundering in your purpose. Some of you have been kind of vacillating in your opinions. And it's because you have no weight on your spirit. You need a Bible study. You need to get in a life group. You need to get in a place where you have the weight of, of the spiritual, weightier matters of God on your life. As they said in the Old Testament, the weightier matters of the law, the weightier things of God on your life that are that fulfilled through prayer and seeking God. There's somebody in your life right now. You... You may not even have them on your radar, but there's somebody in your work. There's somebody in your place of position that you can help and you can reach out to. There's somebody in the place where you have a mission. Amen. You not only have a position that God can use, but you have a mission, a mission field for your own life. And God can use you in those places if you just say, Lord, give me somebody. Help me to recognize the weights that are in their backpack. Help me to help them, Lord God. Somehow help me to help them. I pray in Jesus' name. I want this to be a personal altar call. I want you to come and seek God for yourself first, for your family, and then for those that are lost around you. Come today as we sing unto the Lord and seek God for you. Seek God for your family, and then ask God to give you the weight of a lost soul in your life because it's a satisfying resurrection life whenever you reach to save souls. Amen, 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 amen. I want the world to know that you